Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. This is the Evangelism and Personal Ministries Department's opportunity to spend some time with the church members every week discussing personal witnessing and evangelism. And this week I have as a guest a really good guy uh, and a person who has, has done a lot, by the way, of Bible studies and outreach ministry. That is to say, if a lot is two years. Yeah, a little bit longer than that, but yeah. Okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah, true. Ryan Cuff came to the Arise program in what year, brother? 2019. 2019. And yeah, just wanted to get closer to God and become more capable of sharing his faith with others and just, yeah, being a better disciple of Jesus. And thanks for coming and joining us, Ryan, on the Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here, Matt. Hey, today, so yeah, today we're talking about when you feel like you've messed up a Bible study. And um, I did invite guys Ryan on here because I think he's someone who messes up Bible studies a lot. I just had him on because he's somebody who gives Bible studies. And so if you give enough Bible studies, you're going to know what it feels like to mess one up. And to not just feel like you messed one up, but to mess one up. And so maybe uh, just to begin our conversation, Ryan, on this topic, have you ever messed up a Bible study? And what did it feel like? I have indeed, Matt. I've messed up several Bible studies and I've had times where... I've walked away and thought it was a good Bible study, but the person hasn't quite understood. And I, I would count that later in hindsight, looking back as a messed up Bible, uh, I, stuffing up in the Bible study. And then I've had times I've walked away and I've thought, man, that really did not go as well as it could have. So I can share with you a situation where that happened actually recently. So I was doing this Bible study with a young high school student and high school students that sometimes they really struggle to put into practice what you're teaching them. There's just teenagers, like they're a bit sluggish in the uptake. And I was studying with him and we'd been going for a while now. And I was just eager for him to make some changes in his life. And so I was having this heart to heart conversation with him. And it was probably a little bit, a little bit too mature for his age group. And I probably didn't articulate what I meant to say the way the words that I said, I didn't mean to articulate it the way it came across. But what ended up happening was I was having this conversation with him and I said, basically, you've got to make decisions for Jesus. Otherwise, what's the point of us doing these Bible studies? Like you're either making decisions and you're growing or you're not really making decisions. And I didn't say it quite like that. I beat around the bush getting to it. But the impression was that this young teenage boy had just like I wasn't interested in being there, giving him Bible studies. And that wasn't the case at all. I was really interested in giving him Bible studies. I just wanted him to make some decisions. And so I walked away from that Bible study really feeling disheartened and man I I knew I'd said the wrong thing to him and that really cut and I ended up uh, talking to my pastor about it and coming back the following week and apologizing but yeah that was a very interesting situation so so he heard you saying I don't want to spend time with you or invest in you unless you do what I want (laughs) yeah yeah that's how I'm saying that that's what he heard but that's what he could have heard that's not the right thing to say in a Bible study. And that's not the right way to feel when you're giving Bible studies. So yeah, no, it was a dreadful situation. So you didn't feel good? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not get an easy sleep that night. Yeah. So how do you? How did you rebound bound from that? I've had similar, many similar situations where you just feel like you want to fly back into the past and retrieve your actions or your words, but you just can't. And you're just left with this sinking feeling. And it's pretty discouraging and it's hard to bounce back. What did, what kind of got you to bounce back from those feelings and how did you process those feelings? I think one of the biggest things for me is being learning how to deal with failure when it comes to my Christian walk, how we address a situation where we've let Jesus down. And I believe it's particularly 
God who we need to talk this through because when we commit a sin or when we let someone down, it, we usually affect other people and we affect God. And it's pretty easy to fix it with other people. We just need to be honest and say, look, I stuffed up. I'm sorry. And that's the same sort of attitude that we need to carry through to, with God. So when I was praying, when I was talking with God like that night, I was just brutally honest. I was like, look, Lord, this is what I wanted to say. This is how I said it. This is the situation. And I'm sorry, I realized I've stuffed up. And I felt like it was one of those situations where King Saul had rejected God and he had a troubling spirit. I had a troubling spirit. And so I knew I needed to talk to my Heavenly Father about it. And I was just honest. And when we're honest before God, there's this amazing peace that we have afterwards because I feel like God, yeah, He can deal with all the messiness of our life. He just wants us to be honest about it with Him. So that's how that situation went down. I prayed, I talked, I felt good with God. And then I asked uh, my mentor, who was the pastor of the church, what I should do and how I should mend that bridge with the, the boy and his mother. In a way, you could see God using that. God can use that because God can use any circumstance, whether bad or good, like for good. But if I'm giving a Bible study to someone and I make a mistake or I do something wrong, or I can go to that person and, and acknowledge it. Mm. And to some extent, that's a good example. I'm providing a good example through my failings. And it's not as if the person that I'm sharing scripture with doesn't fail or doesn't make mistakes in their own personal life. And so to spiritually mentor someone, which really you're doing to an extent when you're sharing Bible truth with them, it's good to give people an example of how do you deal with your mistakes. You can acknowledge them and you can humbly just admit. And that I think that's really important, right? Like when you say you're a spiritual leader or you're a witness for God, you're not just witnessing through your success, you're witnessing through your mistakes and your openness and willingness to acknowledge them. I think mm. like... To some extent, that's a pot. That's a, that's something positive to gain from a situation like. And I've, I remember one time I was at a college and I was a pastoral ministry student. And yeah, like that, we had a new class arriving like the next week, and we were all praying for these new people and praying for ourselves that we'd be good examples to the new generation of ministry students. And the first day that these guys arrived, we all went to play basketball, and there was a guy named James. I can't remember his last name, but. He kept doing what's called boxing me out, like at the top of the key, which is playing pretty aggressive if you're doing yeah. that. He's like boxing me out at the three-point line, which you usually don't do until you get under the key, like under the basket or in the key under the basket. And I'm just like getting so annoyed and I'm trying to not get annoyed. And so finally, he's on defense. I don't even have the ball. And he's like banging me and trying to keep me just far away from the basket. And so finally, I grabbed his arm and just like tossed him as hard as I could. I just chucked him, took a pass and got a layup. And I, he actually, because he plays rough, he's like a rough guy. I got to know yeah, him yeah. after a while. He's just like a hard-headed, rough guy. That meant nothing to him. Like my my physical behavior, like to him, that's just like game on. But I did it out of full-on anger in my heart. I just wanted to chuck him to the ground if I could. And I remember I stewed all night about it. That's not a Bible study, but it's a spiritual mistake. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I remember just feeling sick sick with myself, how I'm for, you know, I'm praying for these new students and I'm praying for myself to be a good example. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's a great example. Lose your temper on the basketball court on the first day and like fully try to yank a guy's arm off on purpose. And uh, yeah, I just went to him the next day and said, hey, listen, man, for not just the way I was behaving on the court, I just, sorry about that. And, and that's the, what I took away from it. To be a spiritual leader is not to be right all the time or to be the best all the time, but it's to be the first to acknowledge that you've done wrong and that you've made a mistake. That's a part of it. That's a part of being a Christian. Yeah. 
And it's worse sometimes, I think, when you realize you've made the mistake and no one else seems to care. Can I just let this slide or do I do the right thing that I know God wants me to do and point it out to everyone? Totally. James, he looked at me and he's like, what'd you do? I was like, ah, I tried to kill you in my heart. (laughs) I was angry at you without a good cause. Yeah. Hey, so what constitutes in your thinking as a person who you're functioning as a Bible working minister, what constitutes messing up a study? Oh, man. There are a lot of ways to mess up a study. You can take someone through a Bible study with one of those little pamphlets and you can do all the question and answers and you can get to the end and you cannot make a strong appeal. So they've just had all this information and knowledge, but then you just let it falter at the last question. You don't actually make the practical application to their life and their heart and their decision to follow Jesus. And that's one I've done many times. You can get so caught up in teaching someone and this is the theology that you fail to to see how that study can actually change someone's lifestyle yeah mm-hmm. that's a big one really good yeah that's the amen that's a huge one and making appeals is the rubber meets the road and i've preached mm. sermons like that many times and and the spirit of god is there and things are clear and powerful due to god's grace and then it's okay have a nice day yeah yeah i think Another way you can fail is you can fail to prepare adequately for a Bible study. Even if you're rushed and you're very busy, it's always important to take that time just to pray to God, to clear your headspace, have a little bit of dedicated time to maybe look through the study and and know your answers and know your questions, know the general trend of where you're heading. Even if you've done the study many times before, I think that's a really important one. Just taking that 15 minutes, 20 minutes to just prepare and get in the right headspace for it. No, that's good. So would you say that most of your failings in studies have come from those two things? Not sharing, the, not making a practical appeal to people to apply what they've learned and not preparing sufficiently? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can be hard as well. Not all the studies are cut and dry in what sort of appeal you need to make. So you've got to get to know the person and understand what where their journey. Try and make an appeal for them. And it sometimes is a little bit difficult to make an appeal on a certain study, especially if, you know, that person doesn't actually struggle with that topic or, yeah, you, it's like a one part of a three-part stu- mini-series inside your Bible study. So you, you ever think about the reaction of some of the communities that the Apostle Paul would preach in and then consider how he must have felt from that? He goes into to certain, to Iconium, they want to worship him then he refuses, and so they basically try to kill him. There's just he's often assaulted and attacked for doing what he's doing, preaching the word of God. And uh, I wonder if sometimes he didn't think that didn't go the way I'd expected, or does this mean I didn't do the right thing? And I think that's relevant to this discussion of feeling like you you mess up a study because, and even the question that I asked you, what constitutes messing up a study? So we couldn't say because we see from Scripture many people reacting negatively to spirit filled gospel teaching that just because someone responds negatively that we messed up the study so that that alone is not an indication you know negative responses alone are not an indication that we messed up and i think that's really important to to remember don't you like to some extent because paul was in the spirit and and many occasions in the book of acts where he was fully like they at one 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 occasion they, they stoned him and thought he was dead and if you throw rocks at someone enough to, and then you think that they're dead, you probably hit them a bunch of times. They probably have contusions all over themselves. They're bleeding profusely. He may not. He may be disfigured to some extent in his facial features. The guy's messed up, and they threw a ton of rocks at him. And, uh, and they're like, oh, ch- looking him over. Oh, he's dead. Let's beat it. 
But that's pretty messed up. And and this is the response from Holy Spirit preaching. And so I think it's fair to say Stephen in, in Acts 2, right? Like they gnashed their teeth at him and stoned him there yeah. after his preaching, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit and shone like an angel. So yeah. we can't just assume that since we didn't get a positive response that we messed up the study because messing up the study is not always, a negative response is not always the result of messing up the study. Yeah. What has God called you to do? He's called you to go out and to be fishers of men and to sow seed, essentially, and, and, to, and like to share that gospel message with people. There's actually a parable in Mark that talks about this. It's in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and it says, For the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And I think that's just exactly like what we're doing as Christians, we're going out there, we're, we're throwing this seed or sowing the seed in the ground and we're harvesting it, but we don't actually control how it grows, how it responds. And that like it's perfect to what Paul and Stephen were doing. They went out there and they were sowing seed and it came back and it turned into a nasty situation, but they were faithful to what God had called them to do. Hey, amen. Are you being obedient to God's instructions for your life and mm. are you well-intended? Like you are your motives pure before God, where you're not sharing for personal gain or personal glory, but for the sake of the salvation of others and for the sake of others coming to a knowledge of the truth and being free in the truth, right? If that's your motive, then then really someone's negative response is not your your problem. That's not your issue. Not necessarily. Yeah. But then if you, you know, made a mistake verbally or whatever, that's th- those kinds of minor mistakes, they can be acknowledged and moved on. I think for me, the, the real mess up in a study is when your heart and your mind is not right. Like you're just not in the right spirit and you're sharing for contention's sake or for vainglory or personal success or ministry is just a platform for you to be important or it's just a grudging obligation of a thing. I think that's yeah. when you've really messed up a study. I think the typical human errors that you make, you verbalize something incorrectly, you whatever, that, those are so easy to acknowledge. Like, yeah, I said this, but I really meant this. And I hope that didn't make you feel like this. You know, that's so common to humanity. We communicate imperfectly. And to me, that's like neither here nor there. But the real mistake is when you can't say in your heart of hearts that you were caring for that human being and that you were not speaking truth for God's sake. And for the kingdom of heaven's sake, for love for God and love for humanity and love for the truth. If you can say, I'm loving God, I'm loving the truth, and I'm loving humanity, what mistake really is significant? If we could take a step back and look at how God views us. He came down, he died for us while we were still sinners. And now he's calling a bunch of sinners, imperfect people, to go out and share his gospel. He knows full well that we're going to make mistakes along the way. And he's okay with that. God's big enough to shoulder our mistakes, but it's important for us to go out and share because in us sharing, we get better and we were able to better understand God's love for us. It's really powerful the way he's sort of orchestrated all of that to work together. And so he speaks through imperfect beings that make mistakes that stuff up. And the reality is like there's lots of people who don't want to go out and give Bible studies because they're afraid of making mistakes. And they're afraid of walking away feeling like they've messed up a study or messed up someone's chance at salvation. But the reality is Jesus already knows we're going to make mistakes. So if we're honest, if we're humble, and we come to a place where we go, okay, God, look, this is the study that I had today. This is how I messed up. 
he's going to teach us and we're going to get better. I remember the first Bible study I gave that didn't lead to a baptism <laughs> that left that led a, a young man walking. He wasn't in the church, but he, he just put it on the wayside, so to speak, and walked away from that because because maybe I didn't handle a certain topic the best way. And, and that wasn't everything. It didn't fully convince him and it didn't share all the light. But at the end of the day, talking with my pastor about it at the time and, and looking at how that study went, it's not as if I stuffed up majorly. I just, it was my first Bible study. And you just go out and you share. And not everyone makes a decision for baptism at the end of the study series. But the important thing is, are we walking with God faithfully? Or are we just trying to give the Bible studies out of our own power and our own strength? Yeah, I love what you said about it being God's plan to develop us. Like, like okay, he assigns us tasks, the task of sharing faith, sharing the gospel. God assigns us the task of winning the lost or reaching out to the lost when we ourselves are not good at it. And then that develops us. And so it's part of God's plan to make us better by asking us to participate with him in the salvation of others. And I think that's, yeah, but it's brilliant of him really to do that. It's quite smart. It's like, Mm. here are areas in which you are deficient. Here's how I will help you remedy those, right? And, And this exercise of reaching out and witnessing and doing personal ministry for others is going to just make you a better Christian, a better communicator, a better theologian, a better everything, a more sensitive person. Just It just helps you on every level. And so the road of giving Bible studies is a road of perpetual falling short, I'd say, and, and a perpetual acknowledgement of, oh, I didn't do this or that could do this better. It's You always think, was there ever a Bible study I gave that was as good as a sermon of Jesus as well? I think not. Not as spirit-filled, not as pure, not as holy, not as amazing. You know what I mean? Not as profound, yeah, not yeah, as whatever. Yeah. Not as pertinent to the hearers, not as you know, perfectly suited to the audience, all that stuff. And and so if he is our, our goal, if he is our standard, if he's the mark that we press towards, then it should be expected, like you're saying, that we'll always feel like, eh, that wasn't good enough. I could do better. And yeah. that's okay. That's okay. And so maybe we should learn to feel a little better about missing the mark. But And I guess there's different yeah, just like we were alluding to before, there's different kinds of mess ups, right? Some are like, you messed up, go repent and ask for forgiveness <laughs> for your sins. Amen, and other man. mess ups are just like, uh, yeah, I didn't choose the right study or I didn't perhaps choose the best study for the day. She was crying about her husband who left her and I gave her a study about the nature of the Godhead and the Trinity. And and I didn't make that relevant. Not that subject couldn't be relevant to a woman who's lost her husband, but I shared it in a mechanical and you know, stale type of a way. And yeah. It's too heady and academic and it wasn't what she needed and you know, that kind of thing. That's just, okay, yeah, got it. Don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. Can I make one point on that? One of the biggest things I've learned in this last year of doing giving Bible studies is that it's about the relationship you have with that person. You're not leading a textbook to Jesus. You're leading a person to Jesus. And so a lot of that study and a lot of the time that you spend with them has to be more than just studying the Bible, it has to be a friendship and that's where I see that Jesus really, he really leads the charge in mentoring because he got 12 disciples and he just did life with them and he was there for them whenever they needed. And so we obviously don't go and live with the people we're giving Bible studies to. But if we were looking at Jesus' example, that would be the ideal to be able to spend as much time possible leading that person to Christ. 
and really discipling them and mentoring them. And for being there for the person when they need you, that's a huge part. And I feel like if you do, that's a big tick of not stuffing up and not messing up a Bible study. So I've got a question for you, Ryan. Um, it is, do you, do you think it's worse? Do you think the study that was never given is worse than the study that was given, but you messed it up? Oof. Honestly, I believe the study that was never given was worse just because I know that God can use even a donkey to speak to Balaam. So he can use someone like me to share a little bit of light with someone else. Amen. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree more, especially when it's a person who's sincere in their intentions. Like Satan can give a Bible study. We see that he tries to give Jesus the Bible study in Matthew 4. <laughs> when he says, hey, he, the Bible says that God will you know, jump off the temple and God will give you angels who will you know not let you dash your foot against the stone because they'll take charge of you. The text doesn't say jump off the temple, but <laughs> Satan was trying to urge Jesus to jump off the temple and he was using scripture to do it. And so maybe a satanically inspired Bible study is one that'd be better not given, right? Like than one that's, you know, given by the good intended person. But I'd say at the end of the day, a person is who the Bible says you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And there are people out there who are searching for God with all of their heart and they are blessed because they're poor in spirit and they're ready to be born again. And people are born again through the word of God. And so irrespective of the quote quality of your study, quote, capability of your your capability the open-hearted seeker is going to be converted by the word of truth that's presented sincerely like that's just going to happen it's going to happen the word of god says it's going to happen and so we can trust it's going to happen that doesn't mean we don't do our best but it's just simply because our mistakes can hinder that and get in the way they can be like weeds or it's just not good but i think that that can assure us a bit and give us a little bit of confidence to move forward in spite of our imperfections and stuff because Mm. so the sincere seeker the truly open-hearted is going to be born again through the word period and if you deliver that word as it's read as it is from his word you're fine and with the sincere intention god's going to bless it and god's going to make it awesome and then the times you don't god will teach you through it so be it and then the the insincere in heart you can be filled with the spirit you can preach the most eloquent message and you know ask the best questions give the most relevant message and then they're going to pick up stones and throw them at you yeah just like they did at stephen in, in acts chapter seven so it, it, there's more going on than my performance. And you know, it's funny. I really do believe that we put too much emphasis, at least I've seen this and I've done this. I put too much emphasis on myself as if everything that happens in the universe is because of me. And I heard this psychologist once say that I wasn't going to them. I just was watching a YouTube video and they were defining narcissism. And they said that typically people think that a narcissist is someone who believes the world revolves around them. She said, that's not true. She said, what a narcissist is a person who thinks that everything happens because of them, not that the world re- mm. is to revolve around them. And I thought to myself, well, that's everyone in the Western world. You know what I mean? We think everything yeah. happens because of us. Like if it's happening, it must be because of what I did or because of who I am. And the world's bigger than that. And we're very small and we don't realize that. And ultimately people are converted when we just serve the purpose of God in their lives. Not when we did everything. Obviously yeah. we want to serve the purpose of God as best as we can. And not let our sinfulness get in the way. But so, dude, I just gave that little sermon and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay. So, bro, just to leave everyone with a word or two, would you like to just close us off? Maybe just from one church member to another. You're a son of the North New South Wales Conference, of which everyone who's listening to us is most likely a member. Not everyone. Some of our listeners are outside of our conference. But for those who listen to this podcast, most are 
North New South Wales people. So you're a North New South Wales son. Yeah. So as a son of North New South Wales, as an active sharer of the Bible, would you like to say anything in regards to this subject? And Yeah. When I started giving Bible studies, it was to answer the call that, that God had put on my heart. I listened to a sermon and the conviction came to me afterwards that, Ryan, you're a Christian. You should be giving, you should be sharing Jesus. You should be giving Bibles. And so I, I prayed that prayer and I said, God, if you want me to give Bible studies, then please uh, give me an opportunity. And then I felt peace afterwards. And I didn't have to do anything about it until months later when God presented me with an opportunity. And I remembered that prayer and I, I took it up. I started giving Bible studies. And the most important thing that I found upon the way is this, that like that promise that Jesus gives us, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and light. So I did butcher that verse a little bit, but the, the message is, is pretty plain. If we're like a bunch of oxen and we're going out and we're doing our work, we have this yoke around our neck and that actually shares the load of our duties as oxen, we're plowing a field, so we're tilling the ground. And that yoke spreads the weight of that task between two oxen instead of just one. And so when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my burden is light, my yoke is easy. What he's actually saying is, I'm going to take the strain as we go and we walk together. And my favorite Bible verse is Micah 6, 8. It says, for he's shown you, a man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. When we walk humbly with God, He does the heavy lifting for us. So we can do Bible studies, we can stuff up, and we can come to Him at the end of the day and know that it's His work, that He's doing the heavy lifting, and that He still loves us. And we're okay to keep walking, keep failing, and keep learning along the journey. And ultimately, as we keep doing that, we'll start to see the, the work that we've done has in some incredible way, an incredible miracle brought people to Jesus. And that is just the biggest blessing of all. Love it. Love it. Thanks so much, brother. That was a blessing to hear. And thank you guys for joining us again this week. And it's just such a pleasure to be joined by all of you. Hope that you've been as blessed as we have to talk about what you do when you feel like you've messed up a study. Hey, thanks, Ryan. And God bless. We'll see you guys next week.